tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. Good morning, good morning, Cayman. Happy Wednesday. Already, it's hump day Wednesday, May the 19th, because of course we had a short week. 
So here we are, just two more days left in the work week for some of us. Some of us work seven days a week, so it doesn't matter. If it's Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, it's all the same. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. How are you guys? Let me just get the show going here. We got some interesting tea for you this morning. I, um, boy, yesterday was such an incredibly interesting day. Let me put it that way. Um, and we're going to break it down for all of you to get the full scoop. And guess what, folks? Back by popular demand, we will have a little bit of Caribbean Connection Wednesdays. I don't have my glasses on me, but that's okay. I can still see. <laughs> Once I'm not out there driving and have to look a distance, I'm all right. Marshall, good morning. Good morning, my friend. How is North Carolina? Give us the 411 on the weather, please. How are things going there? Everybody getting um, their COVID vaccinations in North Carolina? The U.S. is beginning to reopen, folks, because people are doing what they got to do. So get vaccinated, get vaccinated. That's the best advice I can tell you. I'm hoping that uh, this weekend I'm actually going to go and get mine done. I had to wait a little bit because I had some steroid shots in my arm. <clears throat> so um, I see someone messaging me about a restaurant. They're like, where did you say it was a good restaurant to go eat? Can you not wait for us to start doing restaurant reviews? Any foodies out there? that really want to do restaurant reviews, I think you guys should come on board. Hello, Miss Morna. How are you? I am doing well. Happy Wednesday. We're going to bring it live to you guys. Well, you are live and direct. I'm just updating my little um, topics list on the Facebook page on the website, and then we're going to be good to go. So Caribbean Connection Wednesday is coming up around 9-ish. Um, going to touch bases with our partners around the region. Thank you guys so much. I keep looking out for my little Gucci friend. I'm still not really seeing him or her. I think maybe they were, you know, normally they're nocturnal. So to be honest, a couple nights ago, I did see... Um, the neighborhood of Guti kind of walking around after, gosh, it must've been after eight o'clock, but I've gotten so used to seeing it in the mornings that I'm kind of like really, really, um, you know, I was kind of looking forward to that. So I don't know. Um, I think maybe they're in a little bit of hibernation having babies. I don't even know. There's so much that I want to know. So much more I want to know about the Gutis. But I feel like they do, um, I think they have a little bit of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, anyway, I, I'll tell you what, I do have a video here that I'm going to play for you guys later on. When we went and visited one and um, I didn't want to pick him up, but the lady at the um, Pirate Sanctuary picked him up and shared him with us. Um, no, no, no. Somebody said, are you sure it didn't end up in somebody's pot? I'm pretty sure it didn't. Cause like I said, I did see him a couple, him or her a couple days ago. 
But this is the first time I've got like a really close up view. And I do find them to be very interesting little creatures, I must say. And I've got some video of them as well. So normally they're very, very shy. Um, they're not going to be hanging out with people. However, this one at the parrot sanctuary is a rescue. And um, apparently he or she, I think it's a, I think it's a she, actually um, likes people or at least tolerates us. I don't know about liking. <laughs> Sometimes we think that these creatures like us and it's like, they actually can't stand us. <laughs> but anyway, um, this particular one will take food right from your hand. And he was um, jumping on Gianna. And so um, Gianna was kind of like, ooh, getting a little bit excited and running from the Gucci. But yes, I think they may have had babies because my neighbor actually mentioned that uh, they saw some very young ones. And then another neighbor was like, oh, can you tell me where they're at? Because he wants to go poach the parents. I was like, oh my God, seriously? At least allow the parents to have some time with the young ones before we start talking about eating them. My God. Oh, I was just thinking, wow. I know we'll eat just about anything. Listen, Caymanians eat turtle. I don't want to hear y'all complain about what other people are eating. Um, cause when I really think about the logistics of eating turtle, I'm often turned off. <laughs> However, uh, I do think that, you know, there are other things that we could definitely uh, be considering on our palate. Like I, I could totally see how someone could become a vegetarian when they look at some of the things that we all eat. They must be like, oh, hell no. <laughs> So, um, yes, folks, it's uh, very, very interesting to see what people are into. Oh, gosh, let me just see now. Did I press the wrong button here? I'm trying to upload. I'm going to upload the video for you guys so that you can see it. So we've got some amazing news in the lost and found department as well that I'm going to be sharing with you all here shortly. Um, some really great successes, I must tell you. I am surprised every single time we uh, managed to reunite someone with their lost items. I think it's just a combination of a number of factors, so we'll talk about that here in a second. What else are we going to be talking about? Drug addiction in the Cayman Islands. We are going to get a little bit of an update on our shoplifters, uh, Kamada Bay shoplifters. Some interesting information has come our way that I think we should definitely be sharing with you all. We'll also be talking about court updates. And this is an exclusive that you will only hear here on CMR, that there has been um, a quarantine breach. And someone has been convicted, but I'm trying to hear exactly what the sentence is. So good morning, Irvlin. Dion is here. Good morning, Maria. Dan is joining us. He says, may your day be gentle on your souls. That's very nice. Thank you, Dan. Darlene is here. Darlene McKenzie. And I'm sure the other Darlene uh, Manzanaras is also listening. Um, Irvlin says, water takes long to boil this morning in terms of her tea. Well, Louis not going to have that problem because Louis gets up at the crack of dawn. He says, loving the weather in Detroit. Warmth has arrived. 
Have you guys noticed that here we are and it's summertime and it's already very warm? Over the weekend, I was having this discussion and I don't like when it gets warm like really quick because normally that means for us that um, it's not going to be a great hurricane season. It's going to be tumultuous and, uh, you know, that's not good news. Anyway, slice it. So we'll talk about all of those things. What else is on my little list? Um, Oh, yeah, salespeople that lie. We're going to talk about in the world of media why you can't believe everything that people tell you. And then we will be ending the show with a little bit of Caribbean Connection Wednesday. So we've got a full house of uh, things to be talking about. Laverne, good morning. Thank you for tuning in. Miss Leanne is here. Richie Rich in the house. Miss Judy, thank you so much. Felicia is also here. Good morning, Donna. Donna, you're still in the States. I know you moved back um, to the U.S. Donna pulled a fast one on us. She moved She moved to the U.S. a couple of years ago. Then she came back to Cayman. Then she moved back again. Um, I think it's to be close to grandbabies, if I recall. Good morning, Barbara. Elizabeth is here. Louis says it's 64 degrees Fahrenheit with a high of 78. Yes, my dear. It's definitely getting warm. Al, thank you for tuning in. Um, is Ervlin really your mom or are you just calling her mom? Damaris is here. Damaris is going to go um, get the second vaccine today. Fantastic. Thank you, Damaris. I think that's good. I was just reading a Washington article, um, Washington Post article this morning that says coronavirus coronavirus vaccines may not work in some people, and it's because of their underlying condition. Hmm. Hmm. We'll talk about it. Maybe not today, but it's a very, very interesting article. And so the more information that we know, Miss Sue and Cato and Punctious, about the vaccine and that whole process, um, the more, you know, physicians and researchers and scientists will know perhaps how to tweak it and what's going to work and what isn't going to work. And to be quite frank and honest, this whole coronavirus situation, as well as the vaccines are so new that yes, it is a learn as you go sort of a situation. So no one's claiming, and they've said this from day one, no one knows how long, you know, um, you will get the protections from, from the vaccine. And so they're kind of, as they're vaccinating people now, over a billion and a half people, or just about a billion and a half people have been vaccinated across the world. We're getting an idea of how people are reacting to it, how they're not reacting to it. And perhaps some people who don't even get full protection from it, who may have a significantly less um, degree of protection. And it's unfortunate because normally those are the people who need it the most. Good morning, Odette. Larry's here. Charm is here. Maria. Um, Charm says, you know, I love my food, but not eating any reptiles. Hubby loves turtle, though. Uh, that's because he's a Caymanian show. You hardly find a Caymanian that does not love turtle. Now, Charm, when I'm thinking about my foodies and people who'd be fantastic at doing a food blog, you automatically come to mind because, girl... You already got down pat how to take pictures of food. You've got that. And um, 
yes, you would be the perfect person for, I think, that job. So maybe we should talk because you're eating out anyway. I mean, it's not a stretch for you to say, well, yes, I'm going to go and have a meal out because you're you're eating fabulously every single day from the pictures I've seen. Good morning to Miss Beulah. Uh, Virtuous Panook, good morning to you, my dear. Jasara is here for the tea with a little smile on her face. Alba, thank you so much for tuning in. Miss Darlene, the other Miss Darlene is right here. Got it locked. She joins us daily from the UK. Miss Darlene, remind me of what part of um, the UK you are in. I um, have forgotten. So yes, Larry says it's 73 in New York, going up to 87. So here we are in May, and I must say that the weather, um, the summer weather is creeping up on us. So summer's coming, hurricane season is coming. Um, Elle says, yeah, she's really my mom. Oh, nice. You know, some people just say, hey, momsy. Wasn't sure if that was was going on or if she's actually your mom. So mom and daughter watching the show. Hey, good morning. Louis says, my CMR mug is uh, filled with hot Lipton tea, CMR and 175 watt. So I can hear anything anywhere in the garden. Plus the plants seem to love the show as well. <laughs> Woo, the plants growing a little bit extra. Andine, good morning. We're going to be doing some community notices this morning. I figure we might as well keep the trend going of helping you guys find all of your lost items. So let's talk about some other things that have um, come forward as a result of a ring that we posted last night. Um, We've got a video that a number of you shared with me. Did you guys see that? Where this guy is talking about the Cayman Islands. So we'll... We'll have a chat about that. He wants to move here now, talking about how wonderful it is. We're like, pump the brakes. Love us from a distance. That's okay, too. We don't need everybody thinking that this is their little corner of paradise because it really isn't. Um, Especially if it continues to get a little bit overcrowded, if you knew what I mean. Who else we got here? Kaku. I don't know if that's the real name or not, but that sounds interesting. It says, when is Cayman going to be open for tourists again? Well, that's the million-dollar question. And uh, the million-dollar answer really comes down to whether or not people are going to get vaccinated. That's it. It will depend on the vaccination levels because the government has said, given our population of elderly people, et cetera, et cetera, uh, we have a somewhat vulnerable community. We will not reopen until a certain percentage of individuals get vaccinated. Now, I know what y'all are thinking, and I, and I have some thoughts on this that you may or may not like, but y'all are thinking, well, if that's the case, let's not get vaccinated. For those of you who believe in all sorts of conspiracy theorists, don't get vaccinated and we'll never reopen. Well, at some point, the government is going to have to pull the trigger and say, listen, vaccinated or not, we're going to have to reopen. Like it's going to be either you're doomed in terms of your finances or you reopen. I know you guys don't want to hear this, but we're here to tell you the cold hard truth and nothing but. 
So don't don't keep messing around and don't get vaccinated. Because what you will then find is going to happen is you will not be vaccinated. They will open the borders. And as Caribbeans people say, dog eat your supper. Because then you're going to be out of luck. And extremely high risk. Richie, having a good laugh. Good morning, uh, Irvin. Thank you. Julie is here. Julie Brown, thank you so much. Sam, thank you for tuning in. Looking beautiful. Vanessa, Miss Darlene is in Leeds. Yes, 12 degrees and sunny. 12 degrees. That sounds kind of cold, Miss Darlene. Is that 12 degrees Fahrenheit or, or Celsius? Um, yes, Ella Carter is her baby girl. Aw. Good morning, King. Um, Darlene, does karma do your hair as well? She mentioned a lady in Leeds. Oh, such a small world. Is it possible? King joining us from the UK. King, remind us what part of the UK you're in. Claudia is here grabbing a cup of coffee and joining from Tampa, Riverview area. Claudia, can I tell you that after yesterday's show, I had a little bit of a walk down memory lane because we were talking about Tampa on the show and you know that I grew up in Tampa. And uh, Ingrid, James, Siobhan, good morning, Barbara. And I was looking at my old um, resident hall um, Fontana Hall, and I was surprised that many years ago it was actually demolished and replaced by some new fancy facility, I suppose. And more interestingly, I had no idea about the history of Fontana Hall, that it had been built in the late 1960s, so it had been around a while. Um, but you know, I have so many memories of Tampa, like they all kind of came flooding back, like university life and, oh God, having to walk to class and 12 degree weather. Ooh, talk about cold and weather. Oh my God. Those were the days I was just a poor little student trying to hustle and do my thing as a student, right? Um, eating pizza because you didn't have money for anything else. You'd get a large, an extra large pizza, and those were like really big. And you'd share it with everybody, and everybody could chip in two, three dollars, and you could eat. Um, walking to, didn't have a car then. So I had to walk uh, everywhere we wanted to go. That's how we kept on the slimmer side. Um, but yes, walking to, I remember right there in Fletcher, there was a Target. I remember when that Target was built. It was when I was in at university. And so we would walk there all the time. That was like a treat going to Target. And um, there was a Piccadilly's not far from there. So I used to go eat with the old folks at Piccadilly's. That was like a Sunday dinner treat. But yes, oh, I loved university life. Like, I feel like every child should experience living on their own because you, you get to experience so many cultures and different people. I remember a young lady from Malaysia. Uh, we hung out for a while and it was so interesting to see her eating with no utensils. And I was just like, why not just pick up a knife and fork? And she was like, that's not how we do it in our culture. So I grew to understand a lot about other cultures and honestly to have an appreciation for differences as well. So I don't have to do it, but it was so interesting. And I'm so fascinated. I think a lot of times in people, you guys know, I love people watching. 
So um, she explained a lot of things to me because I thought, wow, eating with your fingers can't be. That's kind of nasty. And then she's like, well, you know, there's certain things that we do. So if we if we're right handed, for example, um, and that's the hand that we're going to naturally eat with, we don't use that hand for certain things, if you know what I mean. Like bathroom type related things. I said, oh, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> because, um, But yes, and it also explains why certain foods are even designed the way they are, like the clumpiness of rices and stuff. So it's meant to be eaten like a certain way in certain cultures. Um, yeah, I met some very interesting people. I met the first, we're going to talk a little bit this morning about drug addiction. And, you know, I actually met the first person that, um, these scammers are emailing me about attached here with copies of your shipping documents for your reference. What shipping documents? I ain't shipping nothing scammer. These people are so disgusting. Anyway, um, I met the first person ever who was bipolar. And that was quite an experience. I used to live at, I used to work at the school newspaper and, you know, I couldn't remember the name of the school newspaper until I was reading this thing yesterday about Fontana Hall. And I saw someone on one of the Facebook posts about it. And the comment section said, um, oh, I'm a writer at the Oracle. And I was like, oh my God, that was the name of the school newspaper. And I used to write for them. In fact, I had the opportunity to interview Miss Betty Castor, who at the time was the president of the university. And I'll tell you guys how incredibly small the world is, but yet so big, right? So this is just one of those interesting twists in life. As a um, high school student, I um, always wanted to be a lawyer. That was my dream from the age of nine. Kiman kind of puts a little wrench in your dreams, but anyway. Uh, as I always say, you're right where you're supposed to be. Sometimes you take different paths in life, but you end up right where you're supposed to be, right? So when I was in high school, I was in a program called Teen Court. Fantastic program. Kiman needs to introduce it. I've been talking about it for the better half of 20 years. Politicians, it's just falling on their deaf ears. But as they continue to see our youth struggle um, with identity and uh, petty crime and so on, one day they will get the picture that these are the types of programs that are helpful to young people. They've been proven to be uh, extremely helpful, in fact. So I was in this teen court program, and as a result of being in that program, I got to meet a judge named Judge Castor. Um, I tell you what, I don't even remember his name. He's, he must be long dead. Um, he has to be long deceased because I feel like, yes, he died in April the 9th, which is my aunt's birthday, 2013. Um, Donald Castor at age 81. Wow. So he was a Hillsborough County judge. And he had, um, he was very well respected. There he is. Oh my gosh. You see that face that just brings back all these memories, right? So Judge Castor was one of the judges that participated in the teen court program. So how the program would work is teenagers who got in trouble had the opportunity to go through this teen court program. Minimum sentence would be 10 community hours, regardless of the outcome. You had to do at least 10 community hours and you could do more. 
So you had a jury of your peers, other high school teens, who would judge you. They would listen um, to your story, listen to what happened. You got in a fight at school. And the idea behind it is to keep you out of the um, court system, like the adult court system. And even to a certain extent, although it was like a subsection of the juvenile court system, it was meant to also keep you outside of that. So it was only, only people who had first offenders, first time offenders were eligible for the program. So this was your second chance in life. And let me tell you, a lot of people grabbed it. And then you had a prosecutor and a defense that were your teens as well. So honey child, you know me from day one, I'm like prosecutor mode. I'm always like, yep, they're guilty of sin. I'm going to prosecute, you know, deal with it. So um, I was always prosecuting. And then one day they could not find anybody to defend this, um, I think it was a young lady or young, I can't remember if it was a young lady or man, but who was in a fight, right? So this teenager who was in a fight and they couldn't find anybody. And um, so they said, well, could you do it? Cause nobody else, you know, there's nobody else here to do it. So do you mind doing it? And I was like, uh. begrudgingly King from sunny Manchester. I said, yeah, okay, um, I'll do it. But, you know, whatever you do in life, if you're going to be a defense attorney, you got to give it 100%. So I sat down with my client and uh, I did the whole, you know, interview because this is what you had to do. You sit down with them, you consult with them, you hear their side of the story, you look for any mitigating aspects to the story, and then you do your best at presenting the case, right? Obviously, they had gotten in a fight. That was a foregone conclusion. But it was more of how do I mitigate a sentence? So listen, the sentences were legit. Like they could give you um, curfews. If you had a driver's license, they could recommend that your driver's license be suspended. Like there was a whole list of things that these teens could do. Your own teen, your own peers, right? So um, Claudia says you'd not believe how much the area has developed and changed. I also lived... Uh, I. Lived here also in the mid-1980s and moved back in 2012. I saw a glimpse of it the last time I was there, Claudia, but I need to definitely go back. So Judge Castor, there he is. I mean, he that's exactly how I remember him, actually. Um, while uh, Soft-spoken guy. One, so the same day that I did this, I was defense attorney that one time. He said to me, he pulled me aside and he said, young lady, you actually have a very good knack for advocacy. Now, I know you don't want to be a defense attorney, and I'm not saying that you have to be, but I am impressed with you. I'm impressed with how you took this case and you spoke to your client and you put it together. And my client only got um, the bare minimum, which was a 10 community hours, which is what you're aiming for. And he said, well done. And so he would invite me to lunch and we would lunch and he was kind of a mentor. And so as a mentor, he um, said to me, you know, you are very bright. You know, your, your high school grades are where they need to be. So listen, any school in the state of Florida that you would like to go to, you just let me know. And I was like, oh, what? He said, yep, because that's how well respected he was. Any school you want to go to, you let me know, and I will write you a reference letter, and bam, you're in. 
you know, obviously you've got to do your SAT. Um, well, it's called the LSAT uh, for law school, but you do that and you perform well enough. But yeah, his references carried that kind of weight. Um, so it's so interesting to see here reading um, on the Tampa Bay Times in the obituary section that he was um, in hospice care in Temple Terrace. So he lived in, I think, Florida probably most of his life. Avid basketball fan. And the irony of it is, um, yep, he grew up in Seminole Heights, graduated from Hillsborough High School, Duke University, Stetson University. And a lot of you know that Stetson University has an excellent law school program. A lot of people aspire to go to Stetson Law. Assistant state attorney, and eventually he became a judge. So um, he, the, the short story of it is that he was married before, um, and his wife was, oh, I can't remember her name now. Betty Castor. Yes. So his ex-wife. So this, this is what I'm, I'm bringing it kind of full circle now because he became my mentor. I decided to go to USF. Um, and years later, when I'm at USF, you know, um, Judge Castor and I would keep in touch during my university years. His wife, his ex-wife, sorry, Betty Castor, became the first female president of the University of South Florida. Yeah. And then um, she had a lot of firsts as a woman. She was the first woman on the Hillsborough County Commission. She was elected to the state Senate in 1976. Um, is she still alive? It says it. In 2021, she's 79. Hmm, is this the same Betty Castor? Yes, that's her. I guess she was a little bit younger than him. So anyway, um, let me see here now. Yes. So listen, I'm reading her little biography, right? Uh, first woman elected to the Florida cabinet. And first president pro tempore of the Florida Senate. She's born in New Jersey. She went to Glassboro State College, 1963. Attended a teacher's college of Columbia University. And um, John F. Kennedy chose her to be part of a diplomatic mission in Uganda. So, yes, she is in her own right, you know, well-respected. Taught in Miami, earned a master's degree in 1968 from the University of Miami. And in 1972, she moved to Tampa. Gosh, I wasn't even born then. Can you believe it? So served three terms um, and became commissioner of education in 1986. In 1994, this is how our paths cross, Castor became president of the University of South Florida. And now she's married to a former legislator, but she used to be married. She never changed her name to um, to Judge Castor, Judge Donald Castor. So when I met her at USF, I was working for the school newspaper. And I used to have an opportunity to meet all sorts of interesting people. Trust me, that was a good job. 
Like being a writer, even in K-Man, you get to partake in people's stories. You get to hear things about people. And this is going to segue into what we want to talk about next, which is lost and found miracles and then drug addiction in K-Man. So I had the opportunity to interview her. She was one of the people that I interviewed. I need to go back there to the Oracle and pick, get a copy of like all of my archive, like my, my news stories and stuff. Cause you guys would be surprised the writing I was doing back in the day. It was actually very, very good. It's a different style than what CMR does, but um, yeah, so it was very, very interesting. I, I remember I got to meet a guy from the Middle East who'd come in as a guest lecturer and uh, some interesting times for sure. So just talking about how life can kind of bring you in connection with different people who are connected. So Betty Castor's ex-husband, she had children with him, was Judge Donald Castor. And I got to, quite ironically, meet both of them at different times in my life. Interesting. So let's talk about how here in Cayman, Miss Iva Carson, good morning, Miss Sue. We are so interconnected. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Barbara. And I think we can use this interconnectivity for some really positive things. Now, you guys know CMR, we're a little bit different in the news business. So one of the things that we do that really no other media does, I'm sure they think it's too lowbrow. You know, they're like, eh, we don't care about that. We help people find stuff. Whether it's your money, your pet, your jewelry, even your children. <laughs> I mean, when the police say a child's missing, we're normally the first ones to put it out to help you recover that wayward young lady. For the most part, it's young ladies who go missing. We've had one or two young boys, but mostly young girls, right? And so every time without fail that we recover a bird, a person, whatever, I'm just in shock and awe. Now, you know, we've now recovered, assisted in the recovery of several birds. And I tell you what, these birds just love to fly away, especially these African gray parrots. They do not want to stay put. They're like, listen, y'all just need to leave us alone. We're not interested. Uh, we want to go and be free. And so they fly off a lot, <laughs> I've noticed. So anyway, uh, over the weekend, someone um, found one, found a, a parrot. And they reached out to us and said, hey, we know you're always reuniting people. So can you help us find the owner? And I thought, okay. So we posted it up and lo and behold, we had so many people that came forward about this one bird. So there's like three, four people missing a gray, um, an African gray parrot. And they kind of all look the same. So yes, people are looking for them. Uh-huh. These little African gay parrots don't want to stay put. So the animal house is looking for one that flew away from them. So if you see any more, 
let us know. And they were thinking that this could have been theirs, but it turns out that this one belongs to somebody else who is missing one. So they've got the little tags on them, on their feet. And apparently it's a good idea for you to keep the tag on so that when they do fly away, they uh, can be found. So yes, by all means, let's ensure that you keep that tag on. Mm-hmm. So this little birdie has been reunited with their owner. They were very, very happy. They sent us a message and they said, thank you so much for the fantastic job that you do. You have no idea how we appreciate it. This little puppy is still missing in West Bay. A reward is being offered for this puppy. Now we posted this a couple of days ago on our page. So please um, go and have a look. And then I'm going to tell you money is always interesting because I feel like when people lose and find money, that one is a little bit of a long shot and it's very, very easy for people to keep money. Now y'all know that is not the honest thing to do, but y'all still be doing it. But here's a story that really surprised me. So last night after six o'clock, we got this message after eight o'clock actually says, Hey, my wife found this ring on the beach at the weekend. Can you help us find the owner? And we said, sure, no problem. And can you believe what are the chances? Hey, Leslie. Good morning, Jackie. Yes, we have uh, IDs and all sorts of stuff that people lose, wallets with money in it. People lose stuff all the time. I'm surprised at how much stuff people lose, actually. And then less than an hour later, so this was sent at 8.15, we posted it up. And then look at this. Less than an hour later, somebody says, hello, I saw your post regarding a ring found at Governor's Beach. In January... We're now in May. My boyfriend lost his ring there. Gold rings, actually two, joined together. Here's a picture. Please let me know if it was the ring found. Wow. Wow and wow. Can you believe it? I mean, look, look what are the chances? Seriously. Now, I purposely didn't post the picture because I didn't want people to see it and go, oh, yeah, that looks like a nice little ring. And be jumping all over that because you know you got some shady people, some thieves among us. But we said, well, how are you going to narrow down? I mean, there's a lot of rings that have been lost. And sure enough, we've received so many messages with photos of rings. Could it be this ring? Could it be that ring? And so we thought, right, let's put the location because at least that narrows it down. And that will help someone who has lost a ring in that general vicinity. Now, I don't know exactly if they lost it exactly at Governor's Beach, but we are thinking that this ring was probably covered up and maybe the recent rain that they've had in the area helped to uncover the ring. But yes, this is the same ring. Amazing. This is almost as good as that 
$10,000 bag that was recovered. Remember the guy? The traveler who lost his $10,000 in cash in a bag with jewelry and passports. And it was only after CMR aired it that people came forward and said, oh, yeah, we found it. I don't know if they would have ever come forward if we didn't have him interviewed with tears in his eyes that this was his savings and he was going to Jamaica with the money and his wife and, you know, they had passports in there and they were trying to get their residency and they were doing all sorts of stuff. I honestly found it very strange that, and maybe they just didn't know what to do because, you know, a lot of people don't trust the police. So they're like, do I come forward with a bag full of cash that I've found and then give it to the police? What if the police don't do the right thing? So I really think that it was a situation. I want to believe that it was a situation of them not being quite sure what to do. Look at this recent find as well. This gentleman's wallet, hundreds of dollars US and CI, and all of his IDs and cards also found and returned. Hmm. I mean, there are just so many really good and honest people out there. And people will come forward. So yesterday, $400 was lost at the HSA. A young lady was walking with um, her parents, or at least her mom, had the cash stuck in a passport because they were going to um, get a DNA test done. And the money fell out of the passport as the young lady was walking from the A&E to the front desk. Now, that's not a real long distance. And somebody must have picked up that money. If you picked up the money, folks, return the money. No questions asked. Because they actually really need that $400. So it was two $200 bills, four uh, $25 bills and two $50 bills. Is that, is that math right? So, you know, I feel great when we reunite people with stuff, but it's always the ones that we don't reunite people with that I feel really bad about as well. Cause I think somebody found that $400 and they could totally do the right thing. Another amazing story uh, published on Friday about lost and found was Jack the cat. Poor little thing. He's only got one eye. So his owners reached out to us to help find him and we posted it and they came back to us and said, oh my God, Jack has been found. I was like, what? Pets are always can be a little bit hit or miss, but I tell people never give up hope on pets because sometimes a pet is missing for a week. Remember the one little dog that we kept telling you about on here that had been missing in the Savannah Newlands area? Uh, the dog was eventually found and it had been over a week. I was starting to lose a little bit of hope, I must admit. I forget that dog's name now, but yes, the dog was found. Sometimes they get scared and they run off in the bushes and you know how that goes. It's hard to get them to come back out, especially if they don't know who you are. So Jack the Cat's owner said, thank you to everyone 
um, in the community who over the last 11 days helped us look for Jack. Thank you so much. Honestly, so many people knew he was missing and we were looking for him because you shared our posts and we were so grateful for what you do in the community. And this was a message that Jack's owners um, sent through to us. 11 days Jack was missing for. So don't give up hope uh, when your cat or dog goes missing. Now, there's a couple of things I want to recommend to ensure that your cats and dogs stay safe, especially. One of the things that you can do is to ensure that your pet is microchipped. Because when they're found, you know, if they are microchipped, it makes it a lot easier to identify the owner. So you guys remember that dog way back in 2009 that I was accused of stealing? I had named the dog Precious. Her real name was Delilah. And poor little Precious had an owner who had never microchipped her. So one of the things that I did, and it was so funny that the prosecution tried to say that that was intent and that demonstrated that I was trying to keep the dog, which amounted to theft, which was so stupid. The judge was like, really? I'm like, no, that doesn't amount to theft. That's what responsible pet owners or people who have a pet in their care do. You microchip the pet in case the dog goes missing or the cat goes missing or whatever. So I had precious microchipped. And it's a relatively easy process. Um, They can do it at the agriculture department. And I think private vets may do so as well. So yes, have your animals microchip because if they're found, they can scan them and find the microchip and then find you. And you've got to know that, you know, um, some animals are runners. Just like those birds, they're running, they're flying away. There are some animals that are big time runners. Coco used to be a runner, believe it or not. When I first got Coco, she was still very young, full of energy. And, you know, she used to, you open that front door, she'd go out the front door. And I was like, ooh, this is going to be a problem. Because the last thing you want is a dog to run out the front door and get hit by a car or something of the sort. So, um, I, uh, I got a training collar for Coco and I'm going to tell you now, a lot of you are going to think about this for a second. You're going to go, Oh, well, that's not very nice. Well, It was sort of a matter of life or death because she really loved to run out the door. And I thought, "Mm, I need to do something a little bit drastic here. And so I got one of these training collars that work with a little zap. By the way, Coco's birthday was the 15th Friday. So may she rest in peace. But um, yes, so I got a, a zapping training collar for Coco. It also has an audible noise but you kind of have to know how to use it. So the first thing I did was I used it on my neighbor. Big shout out to Mr. Scotty. He's now in the BRAC. He lived across the street at the time. And so I went to him and I said, "Um, Mr. Scotty, 
I have a uh, training collar for Coco, but can I try it on you? Well, you know, Mrs. Scotty was like, sure. I was too scared to try it on myself. So <laughs> I put it on his arm. I turned it up. First little notch, second little notch. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can feel it, but it's not that bad. So I thought, all right, this is all right. We can do this. And so <laughs> Mr. Scotty helped me to determine probably what setting. But because Coco's a smaller dog, I put in the first little setting. So the first time I used it, all right, I put it on her. She didn't know what was going on. She was all happy-go-lucky. And uh, had the remote in my hand, and I opened the front door, and there she was. Boom, bolting out the door, and I pressed that button. And let me tell you something. She must have jumped. I've told you guys before, Coco was actually, for a small dog, she could jump very high. She could literally jump up the height of the kitchen counter and, and steal and grab stuff off the kitchen counter. She couldn't get on top of it, but she would grab stuff, right? Uh, once she got on top of the washing machine, which is quite high, that's actually at least the height of the kitchen counter, if not a little bit higher. That's because she was scared of some some scorpions, um, not scorpions, uh, centipedes. So anyway, Coco jumped pretty high in that moment, not because it hurt her, because it startled her. She was like, what the heck was that? I tell you what, she never did that again. And I had to be very consistent with the training caller, so I'd give her a warning with a little beep. And when, when she heard that, she knew that whatever she was doing, because you can use it for all sorts of corrective behavior, she needed to stop. So she was barking, boom. The barking stopped. If she was thinking about running out the door, uh-uh, that stopped. So um, I would suggest that people try to train. Now, I don't know much about cats because I'm honestly not much of a cat person. I don't know how easy it is to train cats because they seem to have a mind of their own. But dogs, you've got to train your dogs. When you get your puppies and stuff, folks, for their own well-being, you've got to train them, right? Because you don't want them running away and getting hit by cars and all sorts of stuff. Um, so yes, please train them. And I mean, Coco got to the point where we didn't need the collar anymore. She'd be walking on the porch and she wouldn't take off. She knew to come back inside when you called her. It was just that in her youth, she was just like ready to run and do whatever. Um, so yes, Irvlyn's having a good laugh at that story. Uh, Catherine says that she has misplaced her passport between Cayman Brock and, and Grand Cayman. So if you've seen a passport, um, it's already expired. Her British passport, let her know. Sue, um, we had the HSA check the, the cameras. Unfortunately, they were not able to pick up on anything yet. So yes, I think it's, a, it's gonna come down to honesty. Louise says pet ownership is so tough. And it's a commitment for the dog's life. So I think some people need to be educated in dog ownership. Absolutely. Cece says they still want to microchip, microchip humans. Kiss my teeth. Well, if you got to keep track of your humans, that might be the solution, Cece. I'm kidding. Um, Ingrid, you saw that man's driver's license? Well, I gave him your number. If he really wants it, he should reach out. Mm-hmm. Louise says dogs should not be left on the end of a chain as a home for the dogs is an example of what people often do. <laughs> Cece says, let me try that on my, 
I've often wondered, Cece, how well it could work on children and maybe husbands, but uh, that's probably against the law. But yeah, that worked very well. Um, that was one of the best investments with Coco, I tell you what, because she really reined her in real quick. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. Hi, Lizette. Um, Louis reminds us of the importance of the come command. Yes, because, you know, one of the things that you um, often find with dogs, especially puppies, and you got to start training them from day one. They're like children. The younger you start, the better off you're going to be. You can't let them run wild for a year and then be like, oh, yes, now they have behavioral issues that I wish to correct. One of the interesting things, many, many years ago when I had my other dog, Oscar, he was my first dog as an adult. Um, I grew up with dogs, obviously, but he's my first, like, my dog. And I took him to training in, in Tampa. And the trainer said, listen, one of the first things you've got to do is make sure that your dog understands the come command, as Louis said. Because that could mean a matter of life and death for your dog. If you say come, you want your dog to come because you might be trying to prevent them from getting hit by a car, all sorts of things. And um, dogs naturally, especially as puppies, they want to play. So one of the worst things you can do is chase a dog because when you chase a dog, they're going to run. When you're trying to catch them, don't you know this? It's obvious, right? But you don't really think about it. So the dog is running and you chasing it only makes it run more. And one of the things that I learned in the uh, training class was don't run after the dog. As a matter of fact, turn around and start to leave. And then the dog's like, whoa, where are you going? That's my owner. And they, they start running to you instead of running away from you. Marcel says he's got a training collar for his dog, Tyson. It gives him a warning three times before it gives him a shock and then he behaves. Sometimes you need a little corrective behavior. Good morning, Janetta. Is it Janetta or Janita? Good morning, Anne-Marie. So let's talk about, um, by the way, here's my Gucci from the weekend. I'll show you guys the video tomorrow. Isn't he cute? Oh, actually, actually, this is a female. They get they get to be a good size, you know. There he is. There she is. That's not the neighborhood one. That's the one that's in a captive area that you can pet and so forth. Actually, this wasn't one that you could pet. I'll show you that video of that one tomorrow, but this one was in another cage. This one is a male. Okay, so folks, um, if you see this puppy in West Bay, please link up. If you see this bird, also likewise, uh, this bird remains missing. Give us a shout, 324-1612. And um, let us know. We've got someone's car who was stolen over the weekend. I think they're going to send us some photos. And we do not charge. Somebody said to me, oh, do you charge to help people find stuff? No, we don't charge for that. That's just part of our community service that we do. So let me see. Good morning, Cece. CC's like, not at all. No, not at all. So let's talk about a few more things here. Um, lying and advertising. I'm going to talk about that, and then we'll talk about drug addiction for a bit. 
So over the weekend, well, not over the weekend, but yesterday, I was having a discussion with someone and they were saying to me that an unnamed newspaper, I won't name them, was saying that, oh, they get 800,000 views. And I had to pause for a second and I'm thinking, did you mean to say 80,000? Because we know they're not even getting 80,000, but 800,000 is a bit of a stretch in the wrong direction. So I said to the person, I said, listen, you got to be careful what you believe from people because salespeople don't always tell the truth. They lie, I guess. And um, there would be no harm in you asking someone when they tell you something, can we see the evidence to prove that? I mean, you might not word it in that particular way, but can you show us some of your analytics? That's how you'd say it. <laughs> CC, you are so shady. And this person's like, oh, I don't know. And I said, you are going to spend money with a company who tells you that they get 800,000 views and you're not going to put your mind to exactly what that means. 800,000 views when? Over a year's period? Certainly it can't be any shorter period than that. And is that the platform that you're actually advertising on and using? Because if I do the math and they're averaging two, 300 views a day, they're five days in a week on their platform. You do that times 52 weeks. I get nowhere near 800,000 views. So when people try to sell you stuff, you know, a lot of times they're just lying straight up. But the beauty of the world that we live in, folks, is that things can be proven. Facebook, thank you. Big shout out to Facebook. I know y'all be hating on Facebook, but let's be honest. We wouldn't have the number of followers that we have and the reach that we have in this community had it not been for wonderful platforms like Facebook and Instagram. Am I right or am I right? So yes, it's fantastic that we are able, legit, to tell you how many followers we have, how many paid views we get within a certain amount of time. Facebook even allows us to track every single post. Which post does better than others? How many video views you get? And it allows you to compare yourself to your competitors. And that's important because you want to know how you're doing on social media. Now, some of the information may not be available to the public. So in other words, I see it as a page administrator. You're not going to see it because you're not a page administrator. But... When someone is trying to sell you information, might I suggest 
that you ask to see some of the numbers. These are the things that as a business owner will help you make sound decisions. Let me give you an example, right? So this was the week of, um, I think this one was actually from yesterday. So we select, and again, this is a beautiful feature on Facebook. All of the local newspapers, both online and, well, we don't really have much in print anymore, but we have them all listed here. There's more at the bottom. Everybody who's in the news business. And then we monitor how we do compared to those individuals. So Facebook does this on a weekly cycle. This comparative chart is done, is it weekly or 28 days? Hold on. Let me tell you. It's in our insight. So at the moment, we have 36,556 followers on Facebook and another 18.1 something on Instagram. So this is watch performance of your page and post with similar pages. Oh, yes, this is done by the week. So every week, so every day it actually adjusts itself slightly because it's like a different week period, right? So here we have the compass has the most number of page likes. So this is based on page likes, not page followers. So the compass beats us with page likes by over... 10,000. It says everybody was up from last week 100%. I don't know what category. Um, I don't know if that's number of, um, I don't know what that up is. Is that just the page likes or if that is the, the engagement? But anyway, um, I don't think it's engagement. And I don't think that number ever changes now that I think about it. That That number might be a little bit weird. But anyway. You get to keep up with pages that are similar to yours. You get to watch other pages. So they definitely have way more page likes and followers than we do. But look at this interesting tidbit. Despite that, we still have over 200% engagement than they do. So in other words, they may have more people that like their page. But when it comes to interacting with the page, we got it. And Jonathan, good morning. I'm going to show you. This was yesterday, and I'm going to show you today's figures. And then I'm going to show you last week, one day last week as well. Because it changes every single day. So the bottom line is when we post something, what that engagement number says to you is that people are more likely to like it, share it, comment. And that engagement is important if you're a business, because guess what? When you advertise your products on the platform, like a newspaper, like a news platform, you don't want people not seeing it and you don't want people not engaging with it because then what's the point? <laughs> Your product won't get sold or won't get purchased or whatever. So here's another interesting set of statistical information. The vast majority of our fans, 64% are women, 35% men. But this is not a surprise because of the numbers on Facebook in any event, right? It breaks it down by age category. So as you can see, for women, there's an equal number of 25 to 34 years olds 
and 35 to 44. They're both at 19%. And that makes up the bulk of our fans, the people who like her page. And again, this isn't a surprise to me. This makes complete sense. 25 to 44, but that's a good chunk age group. And then the numbers start to decline as you get a little bit older. And only 3% are in the 65 plus. And this helps us too to make decisions, right? So when I hear people saying, um, yes, you know, we want you to reach more in the older community. This is where I know that a lot of older people are not necessarily on social media. And traditional radio is still where they're at. Makes total sense. Now look at the breakdown. We can even do a breakdown by city. So the most of our fans are located in the Cayman Islands, Georgetown, then West Bay. And then it gives you all the other, let me just go back here. It gives you all the other um, information on your followers. I mean, listen, Facebook is legit. When it comes to, let me do a little screen share. I'm going to show you guys some of the background information on Facebook. Because even if you run a business and you have a Facebook presence, and you're not aware of all this information, you are missing out on some data that can help you. So right now we have 36, can you see that? Um, and listen, when you're telling the truth, you're not gonna hide nothing. This is, this is the point of, of why I'm sharing this with you because we have some dishonest um, advertisers out there, not advertisers, but people looking for your advertising money who are not being honest with you. So they're telling you, oh, yeah, we reach 800,000 people. Uh, please tell me where. <laughs> where is that statistical information? So you can pick any time period that you want, right? Um, they show you your growth. And you can see when you get to certain numbers, you can see exactly, see how it's like this little graph? As I move along, May the 2nd, we had 35,901. By May the 3rd, we had 935,911. And it just shows you it keeps going up and up and up and up and up and up and up. And we lose people too. Sometimes people unfollow or unlike your page. See the number of organic page follows, paid page follows and so on. We don't have any uh, paid, by the way, because we don't, um, it's kind of weird, but we don't actually promote the page like people think. Although I, I'm kind of thinking that I should. I should be um, promoting our page more. But all of this is organic. So we have a couple people who've unfollowed. And you see the darker blue here? We don't have any of that because we actually haven't paid for any followers. Uh, when I say paid for followers, I mean we actually haven't promoted our page. And there's nothing wrong with promoting your page, folks. If you're in business, uh, most of the time you want to do that. When your page follows happens, look at this. By the day, the dates. So I can go back and say, wow, we had a peak on May the 15th. What happened on May the 15th? We gained 81 page followers that day. Now y'all know what happened on May the 15th. You do remember. Aha, uh -huh. what was going on? Election time. So now, 
as someone in business, I can be like, oh, yeah, certain things. And and I didn't need anybody to actually tell me this because I knew that this was happening. So the day before we picked up 19, but May the 15th, we were clicking, clacking. So all of this stuff, I feel like this should be a Tech Thursday segment, but you know what? We're delving in a little bit. All of this stuff is really important information. And you can use this analytical data to make decisions about your business. So it says that I haven't spent any money, <laughs> spent $0 in the last 60 days. I think we will start promoting our page though. Maybe we should do that. But if you go to insights, all of the information is readily available here for you. So this is the last seven days and you can make adjustments. You can import the data, export the data, sorry. Post reach for the last seven days. Um, videos, how many videos people are, like how long your videos are being watched for. And they compare it to like the past period, past seven days. So we had over 169,000 video views in the week. Post engagements over 200,000 between May the 12th and May the 18th. And that was actually down 2% compared to the previous week. During that time, we picked up 264 followers. That was up 38%. So Facebook gives you every little bit of information. All the stories, like what story does well. Um, this is just yesterday, the five most recent posts. And so the one that's trending of those is the one about the um, young man who is, the elderly man, sorry, who was involved in a house fire. And then we can click on see all posts and then it gives us a nice nifty graph over the last week and we get to see more information. Now this story here is about this alleged prowler that has over 17,323 organic reach. So you got tons of uh, information here and you can click to see more. Facebook is amazing. Now remember now that Facebook has page likes versus page followers. So we have less people that like our page and I don't know that people even know the difference between a like and a follow. And I kind of feel like Facebook needs to get, get rid of page likes and just do page follows because Instagram only does page follows. But for some reason, Facebook still has a division between the two. They'll probably change that. And then it shows you where your page likes happen. Is it because of a news feed? Um, right on your page? Is it because people are searching for you? Page suggestions? Restored likes from reactivated accounts? I mean, literally, Facebook gives you everything. It's amazing. Sometimes I look, I'm like, damn, look at all this. You know? Again, there's nothing paid in this area, but um, organic reach on May the 15th. Almost 50,000 people just that day. Is that not crazy? So you may not delve too deep into this. They've got a whole thing for page views. But if you're going to spend money, 
with an advert uh, company to advertise, what you do need to do is ensure that you understand what people are telling you. So the majority of your fans are in Cayman. That makes sense. The second country is the USA, which is very interesting. Then Honduras and then Jamaica, UK, Philippines, and so on. By city, Georgetown comes in first. West Bay, North Side, which is interesting given that they are the, one of the smaller districts. And not only are they one of the smaller districts, but they also have an elderly community. But Northsiders, look at that. Then Bodentown, then La Saiba, then Kingston, then East End, and so on. Coxon Hole, Honduras, Guanaja, Bluefields, Nicaragua. So isn't it amazing? And then all the languages, most are in English, U.S. English, U.K. English, Spanish, and so on. Portuguese is even on the top 10. So get to know and understand these things, folks, so that when someone comes to you and they say, oh, yeah, we have uh, 800,000 views, you can say, oh, really? Do you mind sharing that with me? Because if they're talking about shows and video views, all you have to do, this is us right here live now. See, we have 167 people on, on Facebook and then another 35 on YouTube this morning. But you can actually go in and see exactly how many people. We posted this video 10 hours ago. It has 5.8 thousand views. Right? Um... Let me go under all so that you can see um, the Kohar truth. That's 2020. So this is 2021, but we haven't put some in the categories yet. So we're still on the Wednesday show, so it's not going to give you any numbers for Wednesday yet. Um, yesterday's show, oh no, that's the swimming one. Yesterday's show has 7.4 thousand views already, and that was a day ago. So you can see exactly how many views, and this is open to you folks. So anybody can go to a Facebook page and click on the video tab and see how many views a company gets. So hypothetically, let's just say, and you can see that I have not been Googling. You can see folks, I actually haven't been searching them because they're not in my search history, but let's look at Cayman Crosstalk, okay? Just by way of a comparison, because say it was Kim and Crosstalk, they have one person watching online right now. Say that they told you um, that, yes, we we get a lot of, uh, we get 800,000 views. You're going to go, oh, you do? Okay, well, now they've got two people watching. Let me have a look. Go to videos. Spend your money wisely, folks. This is, what I, this is why I'm telling you this. Yesterday's show, they had 205. Um, five days ago, they had 202, six days ago, 240. But if you go under all videos, it'll give you a breakdown of all the videos, right? So they're averaging, yeah, one day they had 146. Let's say, cause up and down a little bit. Let's say the average is 200 views. So this day was a good day. They had 508, right? Do 200 views per day times, let me just pull out my calculator here. You guys know me and math. 
Read my calculator. So say you do 200 views per day times five. So your weekly total is 1,000. And this is, again, you know, rounded it off because some days are more, some days are less. So if you do that by 52 weeks, I get 52,000 views. If they told you that they are getting 800,000 views, you have to ask yourself, how is that possible? But let's, let's go to Cayman Compass because we know now that the Compass owns Crosstalk and they also cross-share the same video on their platform. So you can do this. You can share a video on multiple pages. So on their page, they have three people watching. So if we take the three from their page and the one or two from the, um, what's the other page called? The one or three from directly from Cameron Crosstalk, that's, um, it just went up to five people. So that's like seven or eight people watching the show, right? So they get uh, a little bit more views than, um, so they had, what day was that? A day ago. That one actually got a thousand views. So even if you combine the thousand views with the average of 200 that they're getting on the other platform, and some days they don't get that many here, but even if you did it that way to give them the benefit of the doubt, there's absolutely no way that they could tell anybody without being dishonest that they are getting 500,000 views. Where is that coming from? And I mean, here's one, that one got 1.4,000, 1.1. So they do a little bit better than the views on the Crosstalk platform. I think only because they have a tremendous amount. Remember they are number one. Let's go back to what I was showing you earlier. They are um, number one with views, with uh, likes and page followers. So if we went back to insights, let me just, where was that one again? Ugh. Right? The compass has over 28,000 page likes, 28,560 compared to crosstalk, which only has rounded up 7.9, but 7,883. So this will help them reach more people in terms of their views. But despite them having over 10,000 more page likes than we do, if you were still to compare our video view numbers to their video view numbers, we're still doing on average, I'm getting a little congested here, sorry, five or six times the number of views. So check it out, folks. There's a plethora of information that is available to you online. Don't let people lie to you um, about what their numbers are to get you to advertise because everybody has a tight advertising budget in this day and age and you want bang for your buck basically. So you want your advertising dollar to reach as many people as possible. So Flashpoint wants to know how has the recently implemented app tracking transparency from Apple impacting your numbers? Um, that would be on an Apple device. So on tablets and mobile devices and we haven't seen a difference. So I don't know if that will impact it going forward or not, but, oh, gotten really congested here. But we haven't seen any difference in the numbers. Barbara says she's impressed with you and your technology. Well, you've gotta know 
Um, the technology. Zambula wants an update on Eve. The trial starts today and we will be there. So yesterday was jury selection. Savannah, Miss um, Sue says she must be one of the only seniors in Savannah. No, child. Louis makes the point that a business without a Facebook page is brick and mortars without exposure. Absolutely. Yes, I hope businesses are paying attention. This is for your benefit. Um, what about the website UVM? Wh which website, um, John? But, you know, we can get numbers from Instagram. We can get numbers from all of our online platforms, including our website. And to be honest, I can look at the analytics on the website right now. And um, for, let me see what the time period is. For a 28-day period, we have um, over 200,000 users, 349 sessions, 349,000 sessions which just means that people are obviously going back more than once. So yeah, it'll tell you what day people are on the page, the geographical location. So on the website, where are your users? 80% are accessing the website from the Cayman Islands. Then the US has 10.4%. Jamaica on the website, interestingly enough, comes in third at 2.3% and then followed by Canada at 1.9%. Oh my God, the website tells you everything. Sessions by mobile device. So 82% of people who access the CMR website do so from a mobile device. 15.3% do so from desktop. And another 2.7% do so from a tablet. All right. So just a little bit of FYI for all of you. Um, oh, okay. You meant to say CMR. Yes. So that's a whole other set of numbers there. And this is why we tell advertisers, when you advertise, in my opinion, if I were an advertiser, I wouldn't just advertise on social media because there are some people who don't have social media that you could be missing. So you want to do a combination of website and social media, including Instagram and Facebook. So, you know, there's some stories can I tell you guys something? This is really, really bizarre. Do you remember the story in America back in February? We carried this story about um, a couple who got shot and killed by their neighbor and then he committed suicide, I think, um, because they were fighting over the snow. Do you know that that story, and this just shows you how one singular story can really trend like amazing. That story is still trending. Listen to how crazy this is. And there are people who are still reading that article from February. I mean, it's old news now, but people are so interested. And because it has the video of the incident, I think that's what people are interested in. But look at this. That just, just that post alone has over 325,000 views. And I tell you no lie, Last night I was looking at the analytics and I saw that there were still three people reading that story. I was like, what? It is still being read by people? It's crazy. Yep. But you know that CMR is uh, 
mostly a Caymanian-based platform. A lot of others, I think, read it as well, but I would say that the vast majority of our audience are locals. So again, if you're trying to reach local populations, 80% who visit the website are in Cayman. And they don't, that doesn't mean that they have to be Caymanian, but you know, that's where your audience is. So I'm, I'm surprised that platforms like or companies like UCCI, for example, when they don't advertise on trying to reach locals, you think, well, who else is going to UCCI? I mean, it is locals. They need some help with marketing, child. They hire these so-called marketing experts, and God knows what they really do. Anyway, um, ugh, I'm congested. Let me just check in with our Caribbean Connection people. I know that Mr. Famous was going to join us. Um, so come on, Mr. Famous, we are ready for you. We'll talk about the drug addiction situation because yesterday I received multiple videos of people in Cayman doing drugs. I will not be sharing those videos. In fact, what I have done instead is turn those videos on to the police turn them over to the police so that the police can action them because it appears that there's a new trend afoot of the drug dealers actually videoing and videoing their clients, which is crazy if you ask me. But uh, let me just grab some tissue because I'm having one of my little slightest attacks right now. And let's see if Mr. Famous is ready and we can talk about vaccination across the Caribbean. Miracle Brokers International is Cayman's premier source for all your packing, moving, and logistics needs. Whether it's moving a baby grand piano for a concert or moving halfway around the world, we have you covered with our team of local and international experts. MBI has over 30 years of industry experience and are able to get the job done for you right the first time. Contact us today for all your packing, moving, shipping, and logistics needs at 949-5989 or email info at miraclebrokers.com. All right. Big shout out there to Miracle Brokers. Um. Mr. Famous is here in the house. Mr. Famous, how are you? Uh, good morning, as usual. Good morning, Cayman Islands, Grand Cayman, Little Cayman, and Cayman Brack. How are you? And, and good morning to the CMR family, which is our island unto itself. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, it's been a minute since we've spoken. I think the last time we spoke was Election Day. We've been so busy since then. Yeah, right. um, when, I, when I say spoke, I mean on this plot coming on the show. <laughs> yes, yes, right, rightfully so. So um, we have a little bit of catching up to do. Uh, our other correspondents, we kind of were a bit last minute with uh, reminding them that today is Wednesday, and I know it's a short week for a lot of people. So, Mister Famous, first of all, how have you been? Um, I've been blessed. Um, mm -hmm. Nowadays, any day that you're above ground and you're not in not in the hospital with corona is a good day yes you sent us a number of articles 
Uh And um, one of them includes the fact that an insurance firm is giving away health goodie bags to people who've been vaccinated against COVID. Now, I found this to be, this is from the Royal Gazette. I found this to be very, very interesting because here in the Cayman Islands, our government and some private sector companies have been trying very similar tactics where they are um, attempting to get people, motivate people to get vaccinated with incentives. And Mm -hmm. it's been, the response has been interesting because there are people who are saying, well, why should government have to incentivize anybody? Um, And I think, well, the why is one thing, but if you know that it exists, then just get it done. If it's going to motivate people, Burger King is doing a free burger, a free Whopper. Why not? You know, um, I'm just trying to find a comment here from somebody else who posted about this because they seem to be, I'm a bit perplexed as, as to why they're against it because I'm thinking you get incentivized all the time to do stuff in life. Like, for example, when you go to work, your incentive is you're going to get paid, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um if you have vacation time and you take, or not vacation time, but if you have sick leave and you don't take any of your sick leave, then you get incentivized at the end of the year. Sometimes they allow you to, you know, roll it over. Other times they um, do other things. So, you know, it's it's a bit unusual when people say to me, um, why is someone or the government or private sector seeking to incentivize individuals. What's your take on it? Uh-oh. Did we lose Mr. Famous? I think we did. Uh-oh. All right. Let's see if we can get him back on. So I'm going to look for some of these comments. Um, There we go. Mr. Famous is back. There we go. I was just asking you, what is your take uh, as a legislator yourself on the need to incentivize people to do the right thing. I mean, obviously, yes, they should be getting vaccinated, but do you think it's necessary? I mean, you know, this insurance company is going to give away health goodie bags and so on for anyone who gets vaccinated. Has the government in um, your country been doing anything themselves or is it more private sector that's doing it? Okay. So let's, um, uh, I'll do the mac, the micro and the macro. Um, the insurance company has an incentive to incentivize people to get vaccinated because for every person that doesn't get vaccinated, there's a high, there's a probability that they can possibly contract COVID, go in the hospital, take sick, could be in ICU for weeks, and that could cost the insurance company hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. If you put that on a macro scale, um, this the particular um the particular company is CG Insurance, mm-hmm. which is actually used to be called Colonial, which um, is a multi-Caribbean um, entity. In, it, it started in Bermuda. It's in BVI. It's in Bahamas. It may be in Cayman. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be called Colonial Insurance. But long story short, they are looking at it from an actuarial point of view that if they... Um, if they had, let's say, 100 people sick in each jurisdiction, you're talking about maybe 500 people on long-term disability. That would cost them millions of dollars. 
So the incentive that they have is to get, make sure other people get vaccinated. Now, what they're giving away, a thermometer, a face mask, and uh, some oxygen reader, to me, is trivial. They should, mm -hmm. what they should do is say, we'll give you 5% discount on your life insurance or your health insurance, something or the other, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because that's more of incentive. Like like what you're giving a face mask that that doesn't really incentivize me to mm. to, to to go get. I everybody by now has got at least five face masks, right? Yes. Um. Now to the to the macro, the government in Bermuda has not yet had an incentive program beyond China to tell people this could save your life. Um. The private sector, there are small entities. Individual entities, I should say, that are starting to offer incentives because for the private sector, they're incentivized because with our particular situation, we have unfortunately had to be in lockdown twice because of high, high numbers of COVID positives. And so that has a knock-on effect for the economy with people being off from work can't afford to pay bills, can't do the other. So different um, private entities are starting to realize like this is affecting our bottom line and we need to get Bermuda back up and running. We need to get in the position that Cayman Islands is in as far as people being able to walk around with no masks. You could have large gatherings, you could have social events, so on and so forth. We we are unfortunately had not had the privilege of having that. So um, what I would take a, a slight digress from and say that you can you can um you people in cayman islands can be grateful for the measures that the government has put in place over the last 15 months mm -hmm. that has kept your island um, relatively covid free mm -hmm. um what i saw from the new PAC government is that um my friend our friend kenny honorable kenneth bryant minister of tourism and others um, started this incentive program in conjunction with the private sector, and it seems to have um, helped you help boost your numbers, your your first your people getting your first and second um, shots. So that is that is good for Cayman Islands because the challenge that you all are going to have is that once you open um, your borders, mm -hmm. you're going to start to see people coming in, whether it be cruises or or overstay visitors, air visitors, and inevitably somebody is going to bring, um, unknowingly going to bring um, something into the island, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it, it only takes one to start an outbreak. That's that's what that's what happened to sure. us in March. Yes. Yes, very, very true. And in fact, I just found out yesterday that not only does it take just one, but we actually have someone here as part of one of the film crews that has breached quarantine and they were in court. I'm trying to get all the details. I'm going to have to go to court today and read the court file, but they breached it, uh, breached quarantine and they were in court being prosecuted for it. That one's been somehow kept on the DL on the down low because I'm only finding out about it. And I know that if I don't know about it, the vast majority of people in the Cayman islands don't know about it. But again, we go back to the point, um, Mr. Famous that, Unfortunately, people are just very, very selfish. And so they're going to do what suits them. Even when they're, I mean, imagine you're given an opportunity to come into the Cayman Islands under very strict quarantining um, restrictions and you get to film here 
you know, relatively open and free and you still breach the, the limited quarantine restrictions that are in place. How do, how do people, I mean, people are just so incredibly selfish, I think. And they're just not thinking about what if this small island had an outbreak because of your ridiculous behavior of um, exposing people. And then what? You know, it's well, like, come on. Well, I, I, I would say this, and I'm saying this with a great amount of sorrow, that of all the overseas territories, Bermuda, BVI, Cayman Islands, Anguilla, Montserrat, Tax and Caicos, Bermuda unfortunately has the dubious racket of having the highest amount of deaths from COVID. Mm. Thus far, we've had 32 persons pass away wow. due to COVID. 32. Um, up on, prior to January last mm. year, January mm. this year, um, we had 12 deaths. We had an mm. outbreak starting in February, and the result of that thus far has been 20 deaths. Wow. So my tale, my, I say this to the people of Cayman Islands or whoever's listening, that yes. use Bermuda as an example of what can happen when things go wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When people decide, I don't want to quarantine, when people decide, oh, I'm not going to wear a mask, when people decide, um, you know, whatever the, whatever the regulations are, they're there for a purpose. And the fact that people break these things is what, what has caused us not only 20 deaths in the last mm -hmm. two months, mm. but it caused us to shut down our island where hundreds of millions of dollars have been lost in productivity. Mm -hmm. The government has to pay out every, every week, the government has to pay out $5 million in um, unemployment benefits to persons who can't, who, who don't work or not working prior, previously, presently, mm -hmm. sorry, because their industries have been shut down. And, Schools have to have to been shut down. You had to have remote learning. People have to work from home. It's just it's just not a pretty picture, right? And, and so I I say that to the people of Cayman Islands, respectively, that although the regulations may sound erroneous or erroneous or whatever the term is, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. they're there for a reason and they're there to protect your life, not only your lives, but they're there to protect your livelihoods. Mm -hmm. You know, so. Yes. And I find that, um, to be quite frank, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again, is that um, when we, because we have had, I guess, such a success story in terms of our handling of COVID, because we are so small, we're able to put ourselves in this bubble, we'll close our borders and then put these restrictions in place, right? Because we've had that level of success, we've been out of quarantine, um, out of, you know, the stay-at-home provisions for quite some time. Um, I find that what is actually happening is a lot of people have, number one, become complacent. Number two, they barely remember. Because, you know, um, Thomas, the brain is a funny thing. The brain will cushion a bad experience to the point where you'll do it again. You'll make the same mistake again. So it's like, you know, you know people who get married to the same person twice and you think, didn't you Maybe divorce the person? Like, you know, why the heck would you divorce them and then turn on years later, marry them? Because the brain has a way of of, of softening <laughs> these bad experiences. So you think to yourself, well, yeah, the 10 years of that horrible marriage really wasn't that bad. And you go at it for round two. Um, and I think that that's a little bit of what's happening here with the whole COVID situation, right? We've done mm -hmm. relatively well. 
we were not remembering how bad lockdown was. There are those of us who don't remember the mental health struggles and not being able to go outside and not being able to even interact with other children, how the kids were going stir crazy, like literally all these things, having to wear masks everywhere, alphabetical days to the grocery store. We have forgotten all of those things so quickly. And I think that is why people can sit back and say, oh, don't get vaccinated. And I'm thinking at some point because of the fiscal restrictions, right? We're gonna go, we're heading into deficit. Um, I found it so interesting when we published a story the other day, everyone was like, oh yeah, well, the government has all these reserves. No, 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 no. The government has money, number one, because the bills have been paid yet for the year. And number two, because the first quarter of the year is when money comes in from all of the company registration fees, and the annual fees and whatever, that tends to happen within the first quarter of the year. So that's why that's occurring. But more importantly, that position is not going to be last. So government is hemorrhaging money, trying to support people in the tourism industry, giving them these stipends. I'm always shocked when people say, just increase the stipend. And I think increase it, where's the money coming from? People, as a, as a legislator, you might experience this, but people live in this bubble that has been created in their own heads where they honestly just do not get and understand half the things that are happening in their own country. So when government has to throw the borders back open and we start getting infections and then people are like, oh, they're trying to kill us. Why didn't you get vaccinated? Even if it gives you an 80 or 90% chance of not getting seriously ill, or even a 30, 40% chance of not contracting the coronavirus um, in the beginning, in the first place, that is a much better position than having no protection at all. Do you agree, Mr. Famous? Yeah, I agree. Um, we, I, I'll tell you what we're experiencing in Bermuda. We have, and, and it's, it's not unique to Bermuda, we have a small population, so everybody knows everybody here. We're, we're about equal size in population as Cayman Islands. So, you know, there, there's a degree of people who are guest workers or expats who you probably don't know, but the indigenous people, everybody knows everybody, right? Everybody's related to everybody, probably three times over. Um, the challenge that we have here is that there's now a divide between those that have faith in the vaccine, uh -huh. Those that, for religious purposes, aren't going to take the vaccine. Those who, for health purposes, can't take the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And those who simply just believe whatever they read on Facebook. Right. And so what the result of that is that we've had persons um, stage protests, not not like picket, not like CMR protests, right? But they did a, a drive-by rally where... Two weeks ago, 200 cars drove around the whole island saying no to vaccination, no to vaccinations. Um, they had another protest this Sunday and only 60 cars showed up. So it shows me that the protests are trending down. But the point I'm getting at is that like any community, small community, there are those who are going to take the vaccine and there is those like who come up with all sorts of reasons why not to take a vaccine. Oh, it's oh, it's Bill Gates. Oh, the vaccine hasn't been tested. Oh, this is going to, it's got a microchip. Oh, look at what's happening in um, people are dying 
in because of taking the vaccine. Like for every one person who dies for taking the vaccine, if that's truly the case, there are probably a hundred people that die who didn't take the vaccine. But that that's mm-hmm. not relevant to them. So I say that what what is happening in Cayman Islands and BVI is no different from what's happening in Bermuda. The only difference is that Bermuda has experienced the worst case scenario of what can go wrong. And what I would say again to the people of Cayman Islands is that speak to your doctor. Don't don't take my word for it. Don't take CMR's word for it. Don't take Kenneth, Honorable Kenneth Bryant's word for it. Don't take the new health minister's word for it. Speak to your doctors. Mm-hmm. Let your doctor tell you if you are a fit candidate for taking the vaccination. Because even if you, quote unquote, don't get sick, you are possibly could, could have the vaccination. Oh, sorry, have the virus. Don't know. Go around your granny. Go around your grandpa. And they become susceptible to this. Now, the numbers that I saw saw for Cayman Islands are very impressive as far as um, persons who are like 40 and over taking the vaccine. There's the people who are 18 to 40, mm, they tend to be a little bit, lot, lot more skeptical. And because you all have had basically for the last few months, have had, you know, walking off no mask, walking, you know, have, have your parties, have so on. You don't have the stick, right? You had to carry it already to know what it's like to have a basically free society in a COVID time. But the minute that you start to get tourists coming in and your numbers start to go up and locals start to get infected, mm-hmm. it's a whole ball game changer. You know, you, you, those who have not worked, those who work in hospitality, taxi drivers, hotel workers, um, people in restaurants who haven't had work in 15 months, they should be the first ones lining up to get uh, coronavirus, I mean, sorry, to get vaccine, because they are the ones who's going to be on the front line interacting with hundreds of thousands of people coming into your shores over the next, whenever, whenever Premier Fenton decides to open up the borders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what do you make of this comment that Maria makes? It says, Sandy, getting a vaccine should be a personal choice. Nobody should be shamed or bullied if they choose not to get one. Um, I don't know that, well, I mean, nobody's on this program being shamed or bullied. We're just talking the facts. Well, I, I would I would agree with, was it Miss Maria, is it? Yes. That, that people shouldn't be shamed or bullied. What, yeah. what the conversation shouldn't be, shouldn't be about calling people conspiracy theorists or those who have taken it, they call us sheeps um, or um, lab rats, some people use. People shouldn't be shamed. People should be educated. People should be encouraged to find out the facts for themselves, understand not just the facts about themselves, but understand how does how does your personal decisions affect the rest of the society? How does it affect the people of West Bay, or if you're from the East End, how does your personal decision affect the standards, as they call it? How does it affect your 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 cousin that wants to work in hospitality? It all it all is all a domino effect because the reality is that we were fortunate. I mean, I I don't have any love for being colonized, but we were fortunate that the British provided us with. Pfizer, 
right? Which is basically the top vaccine in the world. And free of charge, mm-hmm. quote unquote, and is freely available to every for every for our entire populations. Yes. And um, we have some of our relatives in the other Caribbean islands who aren't so lucky. Yeah. If you look at you see what's happening in Trinidad. Trinidad is under lockdown right now because the high rate of COVID um, COVID numbers. That's primarily from the um, P1 variant, which is um, the Brazilian because of the proximity to South America. They have mm-hmm. that problem. But um, is there any amount of time before it hits all of us? Yes. There, so, so I would say to Miss Maria, don't I would I wouldn't take being bullied into it. But what I would do is educate myself and see that the benefits of taking the vaccine outweigh the supposed cons of mm-hmm. taking the vaccine. And not not only that, but I think that um, this concept that it's a personal choice. On the one hand, it is. But on the one, on the other hand, there also is a degree of collective responsibility that one has to recognize when it is a communicable transmission type of disease. You have to have some degree of collective responsibility. And I agree with you that that comes with educating the general population. So, for example, um, you actually don't get to decide whether or not you will be uh, immunized against things like polio and other such things here in the Cayman Islands. And it's so funny that for the coronavirus, everybody says, no, 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 it's a personal choice. But it's not a personal choice when your child is born that they have to go through a schedule of vaccinations. That has to be done or your child doesn't get to go into any schools in the Cayman Islands. So it hardly appears to be um, a personal choice. You know, so I, I do think that it's interesting that we use that argument But the flip argument can be used um, for so many things in life where we are forced to do them because it is in the best interest of the community. Even the laws that are made, the traffic laws. Yes, it's a personal choice for you to drink and drive. But if you do, there will be consequences for your actions because, you know, the, the system is designed to try to encourage communities to follow certain things, uh, rules, regulations, and so on, that are in the best interest of the community at large. Um, I don't know how old you are, Mr. Famous. I'm in my late 40s now, I guess I should say. Um, past- how old do I look? Sorry? How old do I look? Um, that's a loaded question that I never answered for anybody. I would say you're probably 45. I'm 53. Oh, okay. Very good. Black don't crack. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I think because we grew up in a time when I've never seen somebody with polio, I've never seen somebody with measles or mumps or all the other diseases um, that vaccines have basically eliminated from the world. I've never seen anybody with any. Have you ever seen anyone suffering with any of those illnesses? No, there was a song when we were growing up from maybe before your time. Um, um What's the name? Yellow Man in, from Jamaica. It was a song called him Most Dangerous Diseases. And he used to sing about elephantitis, poliomyelitis. And we was like, well, what are those things? And we didn't have Google at that time. We had to look in Encyclopedia Britannica mm-hmm. and see what polio actually was, right? Mm-hmm. And I asked my mother, well, what's about polio? And she said, oh, well, this was something happening during 
your grandmother's time, blah, blah, blah. And since they had the vaccine, we don't have this anymore. And, you know, you have measles, mumps, rubella, all these sorts of things, right? And we have to, again, we have, I think, what we experience in the Caribbean now, this generation, we're experiencing what's, what's, what could be um, termed as first world problems, where, where we have life so good that we don't, we don't, none of, most of us don't remember when things were bad. So because we have life so good, we just take it for granted that the way it is now, it's the way it's always going to be. And COVID is a game changer. COVID has completely changed the Caribbean um, trajectory as far as economics, as far as health concerns, because not only you have to worry about catching COVID and die, but there are people who catch COVID, go into the hospital and have what you call long hauler syndrome, which is what is basically for the rest of their life, they're going to have breathing problems. They're going to have heart problems. Yeah. And all of this could be prevented. Is a 90%, 95% chance of being prevented by taking the vaccine. Now, again, it is a personal choice, yes, but we have to look at it from a, a um, cumulative basis that if 10 people, you, you all have had, for my from what I my research, you all have had less than six hundred um, uh, active cases at any given time. Not not in one time, but in totality, you have less than six hundred. In mm. two months' time, Bermuda experienced over one thousand mm. active cases. There's just the ones we knew about that that mm -hmm. tested positive. There's obviously for every one that we knew about, there are mm. more that we didn't know about. Right. And what is the key word? What does that go back to? It goes back to there were persons who came in, didn't quarantine as they should have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There were persons who had availability of the vaccine, didn't take it, got sick, mm -hmm. got in the hospital, then ICU saying, oh, well, when I come out, I'll, I will take the vaccine. Never made it out. Mm -hmm. All, we have, we've had three persons work in the same job. Mm -hmm. I, I won't say where, but they worked at the same job. Mm -hmm. Three persons have died. Wow. Certainly because somebody caught COVID, didn't know it, came to work, passed it on to the co-workers, and um, within, a, within one week, three of them died. Wow. So, yes, there is personal choices, but your personal choices have community consequences. Um, Consequences, yeah, and 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 somewhere, all of us are human. There's no yeah. one of us that wake up any day that says, "Hmm, I want to kill five people." Yeah. Well, okay, maybe there is the um psychopath here and there, but generally in the Caribbean, we don't have psychopaths like that. My point is, each one of us has a personal choice, but each one of us could potentially be that person that causes someone else to get sick and die. Yes. And, and, and this is and, where... and the other thing too, when we talk about this this concept of personal choice, I'm just showing some numbers here. So yesterday, um, May the 18th, we actually had nine confirmed cases from the last batch that was tested, um, you know, over the last couple of days. Nine confirmed cases, total of 574. 548 have recovered. Over 94,000 um, tests have been given. Of course, there's sometimes there are duplicates. 
worldwide, there's 163 plus, rounded up to 164 million people who have had um, COVID. We've only had two deaths here in the Cayman Islands. And I think that that number and the low number of confirmed cases that we have had have led to us having this false sense of security that our position, we have nobody hospitalized right now, 24 people in total with it, but those numbers are low and that has given us a false sense of the fact that we think that this is a personal choice that has no implications in other people. I wonder when people think about Mr. Famous, this concept of it being a personal choice, as you were just speaking about, do they also recognize that as a community, when they get sick, when they get ill, not only do we have to worry about them infecting and potentially um, killing other people, so the whole community transmission, but even if they don't die, even if they don't infect other people, the burden, the financial burden, the, the burden that's placed on the insurance companies will be passed on to every single person in this community. That's not a personal choice. I don't get to say to the insurance company, well, Maria doesn't want to take the vaccine. Diane doesn't want to take the vaccine. Mr. Smith doesn't want to take the vaccine. So when they get sick, make them pay for it. Don't pass that cost on to me. Don't impact me in any way, shape, or form. That isn't how it works. That's why communities operate in which, you know, the way in which they do. So personal choices impact all of the community. Well, yes, and and uh, I will go back to something that was raised during the um, the election. One of the one of the reoccurring um, topics during the election was healthcare costs. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Was that the average Caymanian can't afford to pay what the insurance companies are charging? The average Bermudian can't afford. I mean, it shouldn't say can't afford, but it's it's pretty high. It takes a pretty mm -hmm. high percentage of our paychecks and all of that prior to COVID, our, our rates were going up based off of obesity rates, based off of um, persons needing um, dialysis, mm -hmm. right? And throughout the Caribbean, because we're now addicted to American food, we notice processed food, myself included, that is causing us collectively, our personal mm -hmm. choices mm -hmm. are causing us collectively to become a very sick society. Mm -hmm. Hypertension rates are way up, especially in the black community. So all of that is a is a so now you add in COVID, right? If you imagine someone is in ICU for I don't know, average of fourteen weeks, four, sorry, fourteen days. Mm -hmm. Imagine what that costs. That's that's going to be close to a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars, if not more. So you you add that up by, let's say, fifty people. There is no insurance company in the world that's going to take that hit and not pass it on. Mm -hmm. Right? The other cumulative effect is that in Cayman Islands, you're unfortunate that your your I guess say your finances are a little bit better than most other Caribbean islands. But that could be eroded away within two years if you all have to mm -hmm. keep going back into lockdown. If you if you if you open up your borders, let's say July, I'm just using a number. And by mm -hmm. August, you start to see infection rates go up. Dr. Lee, <laughs> along with your new health minister mm -hmm. from Savannah, if I correct, if I'm correct, will have to shut your island down again. Mm -hmm. So taxi drivers are going to be out of work. Two operators are going to be out of work. Mm -hmm. um, restaurants are going to be out of work. All those who people who have 
been not been working for the for the last few. So again, the government is going to have to start forking out fifteen hundred dollars. Was it fifteen hundred dollars per month? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that has a cumulative effect on your finances. I mean, there's 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 so many ways we can dissect this. And and again, respectfully to Miss Maria and others, that yes, it's a personal choice, but these personal choices have community consequences, and the the and it is it can't it's not going to fall on the good side. The bad the 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 odds are stacked against us in the islands mm. that we don't print our own money, right? We don't have the Bank of England to just you know raise the treasury. We have to, we have to, we have to have money incoming into our islands to sustain us. Um, the people, the amount of persons who are on, um, what's it called under, um, the what's the financial assistance quarter? NAU needs a needs a second. Yes, will go up, mm. and 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 will go up temporarily. They will go up permanently. The people that can't afford to to buy homes will go up. Mm. Once businesses close, it's going to be pretty pretty hard to open these things back up and running because the the challenge for for islands such as ours that are dependent on tourism is that all it's going to take is that some other region can declare that they are COVID free or very COVID free, and tourists are going to start trending there instead of the Caribbean. And that that's the reality. The people are going to start losing jobs, lose can't pay rent. They've got to go back to wherever they come from, and landlords are going to not be able to pay their mortgage. And the, the domino effect is just not not good. Like, yes. Well, Mr. Famous, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We do have mm-hmm. to um, cut the show a little bit on time. Today, All right. I've got to run off to court. We're watching a robbery case. Uh, we will pick up the conversation, though, because I think this is very interesting. Uh, yourself, both as a legislator in another jurisdiction, as well as, um, you know, just the Caribbean person has some great insight into this. So we will continue to have the um, the discussions. Um, mm-hmm. Moya says, what you're saying is absolutely true. I personally do not want any insurance premiums increase due to people who choose not to get vaccinated. I believe the health insurance industry should ensure people who have gotten vaccinated get a premium discount, as well as only people who are vaccinated be allowed to work and operate in the tourism sector when we reopen. Uh, People who do not want to be vaccinated uh, work in industries that do not handle large amounts of people. So that's interesting. Let's let's put that one on the agenda. I'm going to I'm going to screen grab it. I say let's put that on the agenda for discussion um, in next week's. Um, Caribbean Connection segment, because I think that that is, you're going in the opposite direction now, where you're saying, um, let's reward people, but also let's uh, penalize. So you're adding a bit of a punitive damage um, element to it. And I think that that is very, very interesting. So Maria says, with all due respect, when you look at the percentage of people who pass, it is not even 2% of those infected. And most of them died from other complicated issues. So this is the the mantra that we're going to underplay the worldwide figures, which demonstrate that over 163 million people, rounded up to 164, have had COVID. And I'll have to double check how many have died, but millions of people have died. So trying to say that, oh, this is no big deal. 
um, it's kind of like the flu sort of thing is wholly inaccurate. This is a big deal and it has shut down economies around the world. Um, Mr. Famous, any final thoughts? Um, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm having a seat here. Let me give you um, the full screen here. Any final thoughts for today? Yeah, what, what I would say when people use that um, narrative that it's only a certain percentage, if you have it, the, the COVID um, survivability rate for persons who are 70 and older is approximately 94%. So if you imagine that you have 10, 10 people in your family who are over 70, what you're saying is that, okay, um, I'm willing to see one of you die from COVID, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's always a number until it's one of your family members that has to go to church hills, right? Mm. When it's one of your family members that you have to be the pallbearer for, mm -hmm. it starts being a number, it starts being real. When, you're the, when you are the person that's in the ICU fighting to breathe, it's no longer a statistic, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's no longer uh, just a statistic. So I, I would say, you know, don't be dismissive because hundreds of people have lost, well, hundreds of people, thousands of people in the Caribbean have lost their lives through COVID. Yes, there may be some people who had some, as they say, comorbidity. But all of us black, right? Let's be frank. All of mm -hmm. us who are black either have high blood pressure, diabetes, mm -hmm. or something or the other, right? But it doesn't mean that we're about to die tomorrow. But if we catch COVID, there's a probability that we could die within a week. Mm -hmm. So we can't, we, we, we have to stop looking for those loopholes of why we shouldn't take COVID seriously, right? Mm. Um, there's a host of things that we could discuss next time. What I would mm -hmm. leave, what I would leave the people of Cayman Islands with is that, again, use Bermuda as read what you don't want to happen to your country. Right? I love, I, I love my country. I've been to Cayman Islands and I've, I've met lifelong friends there, and I would, I would cry to see things happen in Cayman Islands that, uh, that has happened in Bermuda because people didn't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. All right. So Cayman okay. Islands, please, mm -hmm. please listen to, listen to people. No one's, no one's working for Bill Gates. You understand? <laughs> he's got, he's got his own issues at, at the moment. Yeah. I saw that his divorce was Liliana says that she's confused. Liliana, that's why we're trying to give you information here in this program that hopefully helps to alleviate some of the confusion. One of the things that we need to look at is what's called the crude mortality rate. Um, when we talk about how many people have died from COVID, but here are the raw numbers, folks. Um, 163 million people have um, been infected with COVID and over 3 million people worldwide have now died. Um, those are startling numbers, no matter how you look at it. There are countries around the world who are running out of grave space. Um, there are countries around the world in India, they don't even need grave space. They will just incinerate you on the ground and they are struggling to even do that. So I think that when you talk about, oh, only a small percentage of people have died, you don't understand that it's not even about that. It's about the fact that COVID has put countries around the world under significant strain. This is nothing to, um, to think 
take lightly. Uh, there are countries who are struggling, their hospital systems are struggling, they can't um, you know, have enough oxygen tanks, enough oxygen systems in place. And I find that we, some of us continue to minimize this. Oh, only 2% have died. Look at what that supposed 2%, and that's actually not the figure, so we'll look at, at that um, a bit later on, but look at the number of deaths and how it has destroyed countries. I was speaking to a young man yesterday, I went to FedEx, and he is um, from France, and he was in line, and he was saying that he got here six months ago, and he had to go into quarantine. He said, you know, he was in Europe during the lockdown, and he talked about how devastating that was and how many people were dying. And as Mr. Famous said, if you're one of the lucky ones not to die, sometimes based on the, um, the severity of the illness, you probably wish that you were dead uh, because that's how severe it gets. So um, it's it's quite something. Um, yeah. Okay, Mr. Famous, thank you so much for joining us today. All right, thank you. Thank you for having me and love you all, Kim. Just take care of yourselves and listen to Dr. Lee and your new health minister. They won't they won't steer you wrong. Most of all, listen to CMR. All right, folks. Um, thank you so much. I would love to be able to get a vaccine expert on the program um, so that we can certainly talk to the, the people who are the experts, but there are lots of information online where they have conducted interviews and they talk to other uh, professionals. So we can certainly refer to some of those things um, as points of discussion and, you know, just good information, good, solid information. Folks, that's all she wrote. I'm off to court. We got a robbery case that we got to keep an eye on. A jury selection was yesterday. The trial should be beginning today, provided that there are no um, delays. And so I wish for all of you to tune in tomorrow morning. We'll give you some updates. We didn't get to talk about the taxi, the alleged taxi rapist who was in court yesterday. That was very, very bizarre and interesting. So we'll put that on the agenda for tomorrow. So we'll do a whole court segment on tomorrow's segment and get you guys all caught up with what's happening in court. Have a good day and uh, we'll talk to you then. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings. 